I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, WWE Universe in the Philippines. This is Charlotte, and you're with Stan, Rowe, and Raph on the SGP podcast. Woo! Are you ready? Marks and Smarks. This is the Smarky Las Filipinas podcast. You're listening to a bonus episode of the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the SGP podcast where the year is about to end, but I could have just let the year end without giving you the episode that I promised. So a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I've been chatting with Ho-Ho Lun and that I've been trying to sit down and get an interview with him, and it's finally happened. I was able to finally complete it, and the reason why it took me this long is because... It was just really, really difficult to get my schedule and his schedule aligned given that it was December, events were happening all over the place, he's a busy guy, I'm trying to get my act together, so it just really, really took a while to get the whole interview down pat, get his story, and make sure that I got everything that I needed for this episode. So, um, it you know, I, I spent several days just texting him back and forth and trying to make sure that we were aligned on the date and then the time. And it was a bit of a bitch to set up given that the internet connection here in the Philippines is, you know, not really as good as we'd like it to be in Hong Kong. So I'm going to apologize in advance for some of the technical difficulties you might be hearing throughout the call. What you'll be hearing in this episode, though, is basically Ho Ho Loon's story from how he got started watching wrestling to establishing the scene in Hong Kong to how he fought to help make the image of wrestling in Hong Kong more suitable for the audience. He also talks about his training, how he ended up tagging with Sai King, who's a very familiar face and name to those of you who follow the local scene. He also talked about ending up in WWE and the Cruiserweight Classic and his time on NXT and at the Performance Center. And after that, he also talks about joining AWE or Asia Wrestling Entertainment for their debut show, Adventus, where he wrestled former PWR champion Billy Swade. It's a fun little chat and I got to know a thing or two about Ho Ho Loon that you might not necessarily know if you just checked his Twitter or his Wikipedia page. So it's a fun chat and I hope you enjoy this special bonus episode of the SGP podcast as we end 2017 with a bang. Here's WWE alumnus and former Cruiserweight Classic competitor, Ho-Ho Lun. I was really excited to make this happen, and I'm really glad that we're finally here. So on the line with me on this week's episode of the SGP Podcast is a recent guest of the local wrestling scene, an alumnus of the WWE. You saw him on the CWC, the Cruiserweight Classic, and on NXT, and he's also the founder of Hong Kong Wrestling Federation. Uh, Please welcome Ho-Ho Lun. Hello, 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 Sam. How are you? Hey ho ho, uh woman uh Okay, okay, <laughs> Alright, so uh you know my, my Chinese isn't as good as I'd like it to be, so I I guess for the rest of the interview so that our listeners can also understand, we'll have to do it in English. Absolutely. All right, so let's start off first by talking about your experience here in the Philippines. You were here uh to perform for MWF last Saturday. How was the entire thing for you? Uh, basically, this is actually my first uh, visit to the Philippines. Um, I've never been to the uh, Philippines before. Um, you know, I've been into the capital city, Manila. It's, uh, it's, it's very beautiful. You know, people uh, in Philippines are so nice. I feel so welcome. Um, yeah, the experience was uh, really great. So uh, how, how did you even get connected with MWF in the first place? Um, uh, I actually met a friend in Hong Kong. His name is William. Uh, William has been uh, staying in Hong Kong for for a number of years, and then uh, he has been uh, supporting the Hong Kong wrestling shows almost uh, every time. Uh, we met there, then well, like, since since like two or three years ago, we start talking about. Uh, how can we, you know, run wrestling not only in Hong Kong, but uh, maybe, for example, in Philippines. Um, we've been discussing this for a very long time until that happened last weekend. And then he helped me to arrange my trip to the MWF. That's how we start. 
All right. So you know, um, Saturday just a few days ago, you just got back to Hong Kong yesterday. So are, uh, has your schedule been busy over the last couple of days, or have you taken a day off to like see Manila, see the sights here? Um, no, I actually land um, Manila uh, one day before the show. Um, and then the next day I do show. The next day I did some training with the MWF, and then I came back to uh, Macau. All right. So, uh, are you are you based in Macau right now, or is? Uh... Yeah, yeah. Now, now I, ba- I, 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 I'm from Hong Kong, but I based in Macau. But you know, basically, Hong Kong, Macau is only an hour away from uh, each other. Uh, we uh, actually have a wrestling project going on in Macau uh, starting uh, last October. Uh, we are working with the casino complex. You know, we put on a wrestling event every day uh, in this casino complex called uh, Golden Dragon uh, Hotel. And then uh, the seasons uh, just finished uh, yesterday. You know, from October to December is a three-month season. Um, uh, that was also another good experience. I caught parts of your interview last week with Rappler. So my friend Michael Bueza was the one who interviewed you, and you mentioned that you grew up watching wrestling in cable TV in Hong Kong. So who were the wrestlers yeah. that uh, you caught on to first and really got you hooked into the res- uh, the wrestling industry? I remember that time I was watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. That was about 1996, 1997. Um, that time I was watching, uh, you know, the junior heavyweight like Jushin Liger, El Samurai, you know, Kanemoto Koji, Otani Shinjiro, you know, that generation. I grew up watching them. Uh, at the same time, I remember there's uh, another TV station that uh, aired that time called WCW uh, Nitro. So uh, I also occasionally uh, watching uh, that show. And then actually I grew up watching a lot of different uh style of uh, progressing. All right. Uh, so which particular style did you catch on to first? Because you mentioned Jushin Liger, and he was one of the guys who really laid the foundation for the cruiserweights. Uh, yes, he does. Um, I mean, uh, uh, after, you know, I watched all that wrestling TV program, and then you know, when I first got onto wrestling, I watched a lot of Japanese wrestling too, like Dragon Gate, like All Japan Pro Wrestling, like uh, you know, Pro Wrestling Noah. I watched a lot of more Japanese style of pro wrestling than more of American style. So, how hard or how easy was it for you to find these other promotions? Because back in the day, uh, as as uh, early as say a decade ago. It would be really hard for you to just find the right links or the right uh, YouTube videos, right, of these matches from independent promotions. So, for you, how hard or how easy was it? Actually, it's not that hard, you know. Um, that time, I remember we were watching it with uh, VHS, you know, the, those kind of video tape. Yeah, I know, you know what those are. are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, at that time, you know, after TV station, they stopped the program. There's some kind of VHS shop that sells or rental uh, 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 Japanese wrestling. So that's, that, that, that's quite easy to uh, obtain in Hong Kong. Okay. So after watching all of this, at what age did you just decide that, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train, I'm going to learn how to wrestle, I'll turn my dream into a reality? I haven't got this, you know, uh, working as a pro wrestler, as a, you know, full-time career until my first um, visit to the UK. Um, I remember I first visited to the UK in 2010. Um, you know, before that, I do a lot of training. Not a lot of training. I mean, two years of training. But, you know, those training, um, I will admit that that's not really systematic at all because we watch it. Uh, we, we, we train it with watching a lot of videotape, just reading books. You know, that's nothing systematic at all. Until 2010, myself, I went to the UK. I was training with a company called 4FW. They were down in Swindon, and they are now, you know, one of the biggest companies in the UK at the moment. So I was training with the 4FW training school, and that time I realized that, you know, that's the first time I realized that the training that I've been doing was actually quite correct because I have never embarrassed myself. You know, I can keep up to the level, so... uh, I'm actually quite happy about that. And then at that moment, I was thinking that, well, maybe I can become a professional wrestler one day. 
All right. Um. So okay, you said that you trained in a non-systematic fashion when you were in Hong Kong. Who were you training with, and who were your trainers? Yeah, when we uh, opened our, you know, uh, wrestling center, that was in 2007. Uh, we have a, you know, wrestling center between 2007 and 2009, 2010. Um, we first start training with watching a lot of videos and reading books, but um, you know, we don't have a proper trainer at that moment. Um, you know, at that time, I've been traveling back and forth between Hong Kong, Guangzhou. At Taiwan, these three places. Um, when there is in Guangzhou, there's a guy called Slam. That's his name, you know, ring name. Yeah. Slam, the body slam, Slam. Then, um, you know, he uh, back back uh, back in 2003, 2004, uh, he was working in Korea. That's why at night time he's been able to uh, work on some wrestling classes in the evening uh, when he was in Korea. So, um, so that uh, he went back to China, set up a wrestling ring, and then that's uh, how I, you know, have a little picture about how the wrestling training is like. Same thing when I was traveling to Taiwan, you know, they have, you know, a lot of Japanese wrestlers who are traveling to Taiwan all the time and then to give them some training. Um, that's how little system, and that's how I understand, you know, how how the system, the training system is work. But, you know, that that's not really, really systematic. I was taking something from A, something from B, and then make up our own training. All right. So so you you mentioned Taiwan. Um, I, I didn't even know that there was a wrestling scene in Taiwan. I mean, I know that I've seen pictures of, like, very small independent promotions, but would you say that the scene in Taiwan is also uh, as, as, as alive as, say, in Hong Kong? Um, their local wrestling scene, you know, that was, uh, um, it actually exists earlier than the Hong Kong Pro Wrestling. They uh, exist, I think, since 2005. That might not be very accurate, but that exists before Hong Kong Wrestling for sure. All right. Um, they have, uh, but, you know, their promotion are not really, you know, long life. Yeah, their promotion like four or five years, they close down, they open up a new company. So so far there there are almost like five or six companies that has been exist. Uh, at the moment I think there's active one is like two or three companies still active. Um wow. but speaking about uh the like like overseas company, um WWE has been in Taiwan a couple of times. New Japan Pro Wrestling, they run Taiwan show since five or six years ago I didn't they know do that. Taiwan tour every year okay yeah they do Taiwan tour every year all Japan did a few Taiwan show too um, DDT uh, they wrestle they, they just finished their first Taiwan show I think two or three months ago so uh, and also the, 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 the girl wrestling uh, company called Stardom in Japan yes they I've also run their first uh, Taiwan show like, 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 like two months ago so uh, basically Taiwan I think is a really really good market um, we also have a plan to do a show in Taiwan uh, presented by Hong Kong Pro Wrestling. That, that, that's one of our plans in the future too. Okay. Okay. So off air earlier, you also said something about you having experience with 4FW or Forefront, uh, Forefront Wrestling, right? Yes, I did. So uh, how did you end up in 4FW? It actually a coincidence. Uh, I was thinking about going to the UK for some training and then I just Google is there any wrestling school that's available and then uh, that's the first thing that comes up and then after I go training there I found out that that was one of the best you know training facility that that exists in the UK so uh, I was really glad that I was there during your time in 4FW did you get to encounter Sosai King uh, yes I did uh we actually, you know what, we have been doing a lot of tag team match together. Really? During 2000, I think, yeah, yeah, not a lot, maybe like 10 matches together as tag team. We, uh, they have named us as, I remember, that was called Asian Invasion. <laughs> that was our <laughs> tag team name. All right. Um, has Sosai King ever told you about how he uh, comes over to the Philippines? He also trains uh, the, the the Philippine Wrestling Revolution and how he's pretty much uh, helped also build up the wrestling scene here? I heard about that. I've actually met him first. And then I realized that he went to Philippines. That was about... I met him in 2010. I think he went to Philippines 
to help out with the training for like two or three times, right? But that was like 2003, 2013 or 2014, is it? Yes, yes. Uh, 2013, 2014 was when he first came over and started training our guys. So, Sosai King's actually from here, from the Philippines. So, he's uh, he's kind of like me. He's a Hua Tiao. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He told me about that. He told me about his father. <laughs> he worked in Hong Kong, so he's sometimes traveling to Hong Kong too. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, uh, that's why uh, Sosai King comes here at least twice a year. And then uh, if there happens to be a show, we invite him over to watch uh, PWR or Philippine Wrestling Revolution. And then, you know, we have him on the yeah. podcast as well. So it's it's great that uh, you guys team together. I didn't know that there was a connection between the two of you. Yeah. So what were the things that you learned from 4FW that really helped you polish your game? Um, actually, the most uh, valuable thing is that uh, they have actually put me on an actual show with real audience. Where uh, I remember in 2011, I was in the UK for about six months. Um, just for FW alone, I've wrestled there for maybe 15 to 20 matches. At the same time, you know, I also work for a lot of different promoters. Uh, during the six months, I've been working like four, 40 matches, 50 matches. That was more uh, more valuable than anything because, you know, when I was staying in Hong Kong, I can only do like two or three matches a year. While when I'm there, uh, I, I, I got to be an actual matches. So uh, I know when I was in the ring that I know that, you know, the fans, they do they like me or do I perform good, you know? That, that that's really valuable so okay when this was happening when you were in the UK training with 4FW you were I, I'm assuming you were in your late teens or early 20s right yeah I think that was when I was uh, 21 22 years old yeah so when you decided to, to uh, make pro wrestling your full-time gig, um, how did your parents react? Because you and I, we both come from Chinese families, and I'm sure you understand how it is when your Chinese parents tell you to finish school, get a college degree, get a stable job. How, how are you able to talk to them and tell them that pro wrestling is my dream and I want to um, pursue it? Uh, actually, I, you know, when I decide to get wrestling to my full-time career, I finish my degree. And then that actually uh, makes them more angry about when I was uh, when, when I decided to uh, work as a pro wrestler because they said, ah, you got a university degree, you got to find a nice job, you got to work in the office, and then you 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 got to have a stable salary. That that that's one normal Chinese, you know, parenting. You know, that's Chinese parenting concept, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like I know all about that. So um, what what degree did you get? Uh, yeah, but you know, I've, even even for now, they were still telling me that yeah, please come back to Hong Kong and find a normal job. You know, but <laughs> but they they will never understand that you know being a pro wrestler can be some kind of a, a, a full time career because you know working as an athlete, working as an entertainer, that's not normal for a lot of uh, Chinese family. But I think they are now more accept accepting that. Well, they have no choice, but they have to accept because I've been doing that for for like seven, eight years, and then I've been making money, so they're okay about that. Have they seen you perform either live or in television? I don't think so, but I think they will secretly watch YouTube. Ah, all right. So, out of curiosity, what uh, major did you graduate <laughs> from? What What was your degree in? Uh, I have a degree in uh, advertising. And did you get to pursue it? Like, did you actually have a full time job that you juggled with wrestling and with training? Uh, actually, before I wrestle, I have worked um, in a university as a as a you know tutorial tutor t- tutor uh, as a teacher. You know. I was uh, finishing my first degree and then I pursue another master degree. I spent another year for that. So, uh, and then I keep working myself in university for like two years uh, until I decide to get wrestling my full time job. Damn. So, you have a master's degree too? Yeah, 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 I do. Wow. So, okay. How, how are you able to balance all of this? So, like, 
uh, back before wrestling was your full-time gig, what was a day like for you? Like with your studying and with your job and then with the wrestling, how was it like? Um, it's like a part, uh, I don't know, it's just life, you know. Uh, studying for me is, is, is actually quite, it's not, it's not that, uh, how to say, I'm, uh, I, I actually don't know how to explain this, but that's part of the life. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> um, from from all of your training in the UK, how did you end up back in Hong Kong, and how did you get to founding uh, the wrestling promotion that you're now a part of? Um, the wrestling, uh, actually, we have a wrestling center between 2007 and 2010. We actually do show there every month after. 2009 until 2010 and then the entire Hong Kong they tried to raise up our rent and then we decided to stop because we cannot afford it um, after that uh, 2000, starting 2011 we tried to find uh, other venue in Hong Kong where we can put on a wrestling show um, we have been using like three or four different uh, arena to put on a wrestling show and then uh, I remember that 2010 we run our first uh, we call Winter Fever. That's our flagship show. That basically is a WrestleMania of Hong Kong. Um, this year we're running Winter Fever Seven. Next month, you know, January 11th, we're running Winter Fever Seven. So uh, I'm actually really happy that we closed down that training facility and then we uh, end up, you know, uh, running shows in different venues uh, around Hong Kong. What were the biggest challenges for you in setting up the scene in Hong Kong? The biggest challenge is. As you can see, Chinese parenting. You know, <laughs> even the WWE, I remember back in 2003 that uh, we have, w, that time they were still called WWF, and we have uh, WWF SmackDown that uh, aired in Hong Kong. But after one year, they were stopped, and the report were saying that that was because a lot of complaint from parents because there's too violence or too much fighting, and then that time there was the attitude area uh there the area that all the girls you know they they they're like divas they're like never wearing any dresses you know what i mean yeah the brian panties matches the, the yeah, tory yeah, wilson's yeah, yeah. and the so, sables so of that, the world they, yeah at that time they got a lot of complaint that's why they stopped um you know there's two problems one is complain about too violent and second there's complain about we are doing fake fight so that you know that's uh, my aim, you know, my my concept is to something that's more athleticism. Uh, so when people come in to watch wrestling, they are like coming in to appreciate a sports event rather than watching is, you know, I want people to perceive it as a sporting event. Ho ho, I know how difficult it must have been for you to try to establish wrestling as a legitimate product in Hong Kong and trying to persuade people to come and watch it and trying to just erase that image of wrestling as being too violent or too raunchy or not really being a PG product because that's something we struggle with as well here in the Philippines with our local wrestling scene. And it's also something that the local filmmakers, at least the quality ones, struggle with on a daily basis as well. And we know this for a fact because the MMFF or the Metro Manila Film Festival is ongoing right now. And unlike last year, a lot of the trash films are back, the judge films, the massive films that aren't really of really good quality, they're back again. So if you are watching any of the movies this holiday season or even next week after the New Year's, try to give some of the quality films a watch, particularly Shargao, which stars Jericho Rosales, Erich Gonzalez, and Jasmine Curtis-Smith. It's uh, the story and the screenplay is written by a friend of the podcast, Anj Pesumal. I've seen the movie and the cinematography is just breathtaking. It's spectacular. It'll make you want to go to Shargao and have your own moment there or at least pick up a surfboard and go surfing. It's just so beautiful. The story is very relatable as well. And I'm sure at some point you've probably thought about your unfinished business, whether it's with people or with matters of the heart or with family matters and all that, you know, trying to stop running away from your past and confronting your present. Those are the themes that a lot of people our age kind of identify with. So if that resonates with you, do go and give Shargao a chance. Give it a watch. It's worth the price of admission no matter where you watch it. It's not going to be on IMAX. So it's not going to be too expensive. Go ahead and catch it and you know, tell them I sent you because it's a really, really good film. All right? So Shargao still in theaters, hopefully until January 7, maybe even after January 7 if we're lucky. So keep watching it. Keep telling your friends to watch so we can keep it in theaters as long as possible.
All right. And now back to more of Ho Ho Lun. So you mentioned that wrestling in Hong Kong doesn't really have a very family friendly image. So as uh, one of the founders of the scene over there, how did you try to overcome that? Yeah, when we first, you know, uh, promote uh, Hong Kong pro wrestling, uh, we understand that's the situation in Hong Kong, uh, that the image of wrestling is kind of, um, you know, it's a bit not uh, suitable for teenagers, for kids. This is uh, the uh, situation in Hong Kong for a very long time. We want to create an atmosphere that's, uh, wrestling is actually family oriented. You know, kids is able to come to wrestling show to enjoy with their parents. That's that's basically, you know, in America or in Japan, there's basically a family thing for the weekend. We want to create an atmosphere like this, and then that's why, um, you know, most of our match is uh, focused on more of the athletic side, as well as we have some uh, character that is uh, suitable for kids. So how has it been received since then? Like since you guys determined to try to go through this direction, how has it been received by the Hong Kong audience? When we first promote show in 2009, uh, most of the people who come to watch the show is about like 20, 30 years old. They are more grown up adults. And then when comparing the fan base that time, uh, and now, uh, nowadays we have more... Um, not a lot, but we start having maybe 10% of them are parents who are bringing their kids uh, for the wrestling show. It's it's a, a little improvement, but we hope that in the future we get you know uh, more more of that. And then the next show, Winter Fever 7, in January next year, uh, we are also working with Dragon Gate of uh, Japan. Um, you know, Dragon Gate in Japan, they, they are very popular amongst family. Right. So I hope with their help, uh, they can you know help us out and, and uh, we work something out like that in Hong Kong. So here in the Philippines, uh, when the local wrestling scene was established, uh, for example, with PWR, um, one of the comments that we kept on getting from, from people on Facebook or on social media is that, oh, you're just a carbon copy of the WWE or you're trying so hard to be WWE, but you're not. Did you, did you get that type yeah. of reaction in Hong Kong as well? Of course, we are trying to be the WWE of our region because WWE is the biggest company in the world. We want to be WWE. We want to make the same amount of money. Of course, we want to have the same, you know, portion of fan base. Uh, this is our goal. I mean, not not to be WWE. I mean, trying to be the top wrestling promotion in our region. That's always our goal. Um, uh, I think that you know some people when watch, usually this comment are come from people who are not core wrestling fan, you know. Wrestling for them is WWE. Right. They don't even call it wrestling. They call it, oh, yeah, I watched a WWE match. Yes. That means they just want a wrestling match, <laughs> you know. Those those people are, are non-wrestling fans. So that um, uh, no matter how they call it, uh, at least they have, uh, how to say, um, uh, you know, we we, we, we we have run wrestling show. So this is, uh, I think, it's kind of a good thing right there because at least they have watched that. Right. So just to translate what you said, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, what you said for our, for our non-Chinese speaking audience is as, as soon as they see it, they just know. Yeah. Right. So um, I, I guess the question, uh, the reason why I asked that previous question is because um, uh, like you mentioned, the, the people who make these comments, they're casual fans. They're not really the hardcore wrestling fans. But does it bother you that right. they rip on right. they rip on other promotions for supposedly not being original or for not uh, for not being on the same level as WWE? Does that bother you at all? Is it difficult uh, to be uh, original? You know, a lot of uh, original stuff come from. Uh, somebody's idea. That's uh, that's not wrestling. That's for almost everything. You know, it's very difficult to create an original stuff. So that I think it's a good idea to trying to uh, copy something, uh, maybe for a few years, and then uh, when more experience come in, and then we can create something more original. All right. 
Now, um, I, I think that makes sense because uh, I do understand uh, that sentiment that in this day and age, nothing is really 100% original. It's always going to be inspired off of something else, right? Yeah. So um, from from there, uh, you know, you've you've had several years of experience competing in our region, establishing the scene in Hong Kong. But I want to ask about how WWE eventually mm-hmm. came into contact with you. How did you end up uh, connecting with them and eventually making it to the Cruiserweight Classic? Uh, actually, I've been uh, wrestling since 2009, start training in 2007. Um, uh, uh, over the past many years, I've been traveling to Japan, to the Europe, uh, do a lot of extra training, and then eventually, you know, get on the ring in you know local uh, independent scene. And then until uh, I think it's 2015, um, I received an email from my friend in Japan, and then they said that um, WWE is looking for um, some talents, international talents, to participate in you know some kind of a new. Uh, program of them. They did mention Cruiserweight Classic, but you know they told me it's uh, some kind of new program. Yeah. Uh, so I sent over my CV. Um, after like three, four months, no reply. So I thought, oh, maybe they're not interested in uh, having me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it's around February, March 2016, I finally received an email from WWE and then the process just... Uh, just go on and then eventually I was in a, a closer classic in June last year. So how long was the process from say the moment you got the email, what did they do? Did they fly you out to Florida? Did they put you through the physical? How was that process like? Um, I'm just waiting for email and then at the same time I think uh, 2016 in May they also run a tryout in Shanghai uh, so I also participate in a tryout and then I believe that trial give me uh, more opportunity outside Cruiserweight Classic because I uh, got to be able to stay in NXT for an extra one year after that. So uh, I think, you know, that, 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 that trial really opened up more opportunity for myself. You mentioned that tryout in Shanghai. Uh, who were the names who were with you in that tryout? Uh, is that the same one where uh, Tianpin and uh, Liu Gao came from? Yes, yes, they they have, they are in the same tryout. Jason Lee is also at the same tryout, and then there's two more Hong Kong guys in the same tryout. One is King Michael, one is Bitman. Uh, where King Michael right now is in Japan wrestling for Michinoku Pro Wrestling, and Bitman is now uh, on the way to Mexico wrestling. He'll he'll be wrestling for something like AAA and some local independent in Mexico. So when you got to Florida to, uh, to the PC for the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, how was it like? Were you starstruck that you saw all of these names from the independent scene across the world? Did you feel intimidated that you were one of two guys who represented Southeast Asia? And you know, if you count the other guys from Japan, uh, you know, there, there weren't really a whole lot of you in in the tournament who were Asian. Yeah, that were that was uh, where you know Tajiri and Tosawa was also in the same tournament. So uh, four of us uh, representing Asia. That's that's quite an international uh, international thing, and then uh, that's that's basically a really big breakthrough uh, for for a lot of talents. It's it opened up also a lot of chances for for talents uh, in Asia, uh, not not just in Asia. I mean, for the entire independent wrestling scene, I think the CWC is the thing that opened up a lot of opportunity, not just for the WWE themselves. We have a, a bigger platform to perform our skill where it used to be only for maybe in front of 1,000 audience. But nowadays, you know, they got the WWE network. Maybe millions of people have watched us, um, you know, on the, through the network. But was it intimidating or was it uh, something that made you nervous? The fact that you were in there with other names like Zack Sabre Jr., uh, Kota Ibushi, TJP, uh, Rich Swan, all of these other names. Did that intimidate you at all? Um, for, well, you know, I have known Ibushi in the past, I think. And then, uh, uh, it was the first time I met a, uh, I met, uh, Tajiri. Um, it's, a you know, pro wrestling is like a really big family across the globe, you know, 
like last week in Malaysia, I see the same people that I see in Florida. I see Pete Dunn, I see Trent Seven, you know. Uh, I actually met them uh, back in 2012 in the UK mm-hmm. while I was uh, training over there. So it's 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 a big family for me. It's nothing nervous uh, for seeing these people, you know. It feels like really welcoming to me. All right. Now, uh, one of the things I really remember about the presentation of the Cruiserweight Classic is how every guy was presented as having represented a style, right? Like a lot of the Japanese mm-hmm. guys had the strong style. Uh, some guys represented mm-hmm. technical wrestling. Some guys were strikers. Mm-hmm. But for yourself, mm-hmm. how would you describe your wrestling style? Um, my, my uh, wrestling style is, you know, kind of more straightforward. Um, in most of the matches, I use a lot of uh, drop kicks, you know, knee strikes, and you know, I always finish up a, a match with uh, suplexes. So uh, it's very uh, straightforward uh, technique, and it's very basic technique. You know, I'm a believer of kind of a basic, basic kind of a believer. So um, that that that's how I perform in the ring. So is it? Uh, would you say that it's uh, more or less the less is more type of uh, philosophy? Uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, less is more. And then what they do are really, really straightforward. You know, strike, lariats, uh, roll-ups. That, that's what they always do, you know. And then it, it also reflects how I grow up watching the kind of the wrestling that I like. When you advanced in the Cruiserweight Classic, you made it to round two. Uh, there were mm-hmm. there were critics on social media, uh, both columnists and fans, who were saying that they didn't feel comfortable that you advanced past round two because they, they felt that you didn't deserve it. How did you feel about that criticism? Because uh, some people said that you know, Ho-Ho Lund didn't have the look, so he shouldn't have made it past round one of the Cruiserweight Classic. How did you feel about that criticism? I actually feel the same... Not exactly the same as the fan, but I can admit that, you know, the first round match is not one of my best match. Um, what I can say is uh, that match is the first time I was, uh, you know, I wrestling in America. That's the first time I wrestle. You know, the first time in America for me is also the first time I wrestle for the biggest company in the world. Of course, you know, when I was getting the ring, that's a little bit of uh, nervous. I can admit that. So I didn't perform that well in that match. But I mean, second match, you know, I, I uh, during during the first round and the second round, I also did some live event in NXT. So uh, I I can pick up some of the uh, wrestling style in America and also um, get more familiar of how the fans uh, react to me while I doing things in the ring. Um, you know that 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 just improve uh, every every other match. Right, right. So uh, just to refresh the memory of our listeners, you, uh, your first round match was with Arya Davari, and the second round match was with Noam Dar, right? Yes. So you're saying that uh, the first match you had to get the jitters out of the way because uh, you weren't that comfortable yet. But when you got in the ring with Noam Dar, that's when you felt a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I can say that. You can say that, yeah. So eventually, post-Cruiserweight Classic, uh, there there was a bit of downtime before you reappeared on 205 Live and then NXT, right? Yes. So what happened during that downtime? And what were you doing and where were you based uh, during that period? I actually didn't... Uh, I was in 205 Live only one time, but at the end, they decided to put me in uh, NXT um uh after the second round match i stay in florida the whole time every day you know training in a pc every week uh, every weekend tour uh, with the nxt crew and work at a local like live event uh so that was my life for one year so at that point would you say that <coughs> they, they pretty much gave you a developmental contract uh, yes, I, I received a development contract. That's what I received. Okay. So uh, when you finally got to NXT, so at this point you'd been training in the Performance Center full-time, how was that experience uh, like for you? Um, it's a different style. I've been training in Japan, in the UK, 
um, the style is totally different. Uh, uh, you know, it's more American style of wrestling. Uh, it's a little bit, I don't know how to explain it in word, but uh, when you step in the ring with your opponent, with the coaches, then, then, then you can feel the difference. Would you say that the difference is in the character development or in the storytelling, or is it in the technique used in in the actual wrestling? It's almost everything. Okay, so how how hard or how uh, difficult was it for you to adjust? Given that you trained a certain way, and then now you're trying to fix uh, fix fix your game to adapt to the WWE style. How difficult was that? Um. It just take time, you know. The ba- the basic, you know, wrestling. The basic is the same. It's just uh, how uh, how to say how how you are uh, wrestle against your opponent. That's that's different style. All right. Um, I remember that when you were in uh, WWE and then NXT. Uh, they also changed the spelling of your name, right? Like they took out the space between the two hosts. So, um, did they ever explain why that was? I think it's. I actually don't know why. Um, you know, when I was first staying in America, same thing. When I went get into the UK, they thought my uh, last name is Lun, and then first name was Ho Ho. Yeah. Uh, no one actually explained that to them, but. When they start calling it, I just uh, let it go, let it how it, it get to be. So I didn't explain it at all. Um, actually, my first name is Holland and my last name is Ho, but that's how you know the Chinese name organized. Right. Uh, first name and last name. So uh, when what? But 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 this is a name that you know make people memorize. So uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, you know what? I, I have to apologize because I also called you Ho Ho. So should I be calling you Holland moving forward? No, that's what everybody call me. So I'm I'm good with that. All right, all right. So um, I, I want to ask about the biggest lesson that you learned from your time in WWE. So um, let's start with the wrestling first, because you did say that you learned a lot during your time in the PC. So what was the biggest lesson you learned as a wrestler during your time there? Uh, you know, NXT is full of uh, wrestler with big size. When I was there one year, I am almost the smaller size uh, wrestler inside the performance center. So I give me, you know, I got one year time to learn how to uh, wrestle bigger guy. Uh, that's that, that's the biggest thing I learned. And how about in life? Because uh, I'm sure that it must have also been an adjustment for you living in the U.S. for for about a year, right? So, what was mm-hmm. the biggest lesson you learned as a as a human being uh, living far away from um, home? I've been traveling since 2011, so tra- uh, staying in a uh, foreign country for me is nothing really challenging. You know, only take like two days to fight my jet lag. The rest of the time is like living there normal. All right. Um, now let's talk about this past weekend because this past weekend you wrestled for AWE in the very first show, Adventus. So uh, yes. you wrestled a match with Billy Swade, former PWR champion. Yes. So can you tell me how that was like? Um, that was a quick match. That was the um, first match of that evening. The evening, the 10 matches on the evening. And I believe that the match will be uh, the first match of the entire AWE, you know, networking program so i'm really excited to you know represent hong kong in a big platform like the awe uh the match is a really really quick match you know uh billy sway hit his finisher on me after like five minutes of the match um that's all good you know uh the audience in malaysia are really really hot they cheer for everything um uh, really good experience, and I believe that I'm returning back there in January for the second show. So AWE stands for Asia Wrestling Entertainment, and the way it comes across to me is that this is a super promotion featuring stars from different parts of the Southeast Asian region, right? So I know the Philippines is represented. I know that, uh, of course, Hong Kong is represented. Uh, you've got Singapore and Malaysia, and I think Australia is also represented in there. But are you, uh, are you officially under contract with them as well as a full-time wrestler? Uh, I 
at the moment, you know, our deal is I'll still wrestle for them, you know, in in uh, how to say, uh, not not a full time contract because I got my base, I got other business to do in Hong Kong and Macau, but um, so far I'm got uh, booked for the match in January, and it might be in the future we're still negotiating it, but uh, what I can confirm is January. The show, I'm sure they'll be there. All right. And um, is there, uh, what else can we expect from AWE moving forward? Like, uh, are, are you going to be touring in different countries? Uh, is there going to be a TV show moving forward? Are, are you uh, actually allowed to discuss this? I, I, no one told me that I cannot discuss this, but actually, I got no idea what the January show is. I don't even know where the venue is yet. I don't even know who is my opponent yet. So I only know that that few days I'm booked for them. But other than that, uh, when I know more, I'll let you know. All right. Thank you. You know what? I appreciate that because I um, am really excited to see this promotion take off. And you know, given all of the names mm-hmm. who have been involved, uh, it's, it's something that should get a lot of uh, wrestling fans in our region you know, just talking and excited. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. for our listeners who are always on social media, where can they find you? Um, I am really active on, not really active, you know, I have, I use Twitter, Hoholden719, I use Instagram, which is the same uh, username, you can search me on that, um, I uh, I use more of the Facebook, so just search me on Facebook, HKWF or HKWF Hoholden, I've got two Facebooks, you know, one is HKWF, you know, the official Facebook, we got um, news for almost everybody from Hong Kong Pro Wrestling and myself, uh, Ho Ho Lun. And uh, what else can we expect from you? Say, you know, after the holidays are over, is there anything that you want to promote? Um, there's Winter Fever Seven, January 11th. Uh, it will happen in Hong Kong, and then there's the uh, Malaysia AWE thing uh, at the end of January, and I believe that. Uh, I'll be uh, coming back to Philippines someday, February or March, um, just depending on the schedule. Wow, that's a spoiler alert because I I didn't see that coming at all. Interesting. Yeah, I only heard that I you know we we have discussed about that, but <laughs> nothing is confirmed at the moment. But uh, I'm sure if it's not February, if it's not March 2018, I'll surely be in Philippines at least one more time. All right, I'll be keeping my eyes and ears to the ground. So you know, if if uh, you ever come back here, uh, we'll make sure to invite you over, and maybe we can have another interview in person this time. Yeah, 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 yeah. We do something like a video that time. Right? Let's make more time. <laughs> yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, so you know, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I've kept you for too long, and when I say too long, I mean one whole week because we've been texting for like an entire week trying to get this interview done. So. Thank you so much for making time and for really making an effort to uh, you know, align your schedule with me, uh, Ho-Ho. I really appreciate it. Okay. Mm-hmm. No problem. No problem. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again like, next year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. And Happy uh, Christmas. Okay. Merry Christmas and thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Ho-Ho. Bye-bye. What's up, guys? This is uh, Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb. And you're listening to the SGP Podcast. Huge thanks once again to our very special guest, Ho Ho Lun. He's going to have a very busy January because as he mentioned just earlier, on January 11, Hong Kong Pro Wrestling Federation, or HKWF, is having its biggest event of the year. It's their counterpart to WrestleMania and Wrestle Kingdom. It's called Winter Fever, and they're having their seventh edition already this year. It's Winter Fever 7. It'll be on Thursday, January 11, 2018 at 7.30 p.m. So for whatever reason, if you'll find yourself in Hong Kong that weekend, go check them out. Ho Ho Lun's going to be part of the show. And Jason Lee, who you might remember as one of the first-round competitors in the Cruiserweight Classic from 2016, is also going to be on that card. So do check that out if you're in Hong Kong for whatever reason come January. Special thanks as well to Mr. William Elvin Manzano for helping me coordinate with Ho Ho Lun and setting up the podcast and just making sure that this actually pushes through. Now, as for us, we're not going to take any holiday breaks because Christmas and New Year's take place on a Monday this year. So we're just going to be ending another calendar year just like everyone else. 
And come January, you can expect more guests from us, more episodes, more reviews, and we'll be doing much of the same thing. Hopefully, we'll try to get more stuff going on and to try to upgrade the product both on the podcast and on all the other ventures we've got going on, whether it's on social media. Hopefully, we can try to find a way back into TV if the powers that be are willing. Yeah, Hint, hint. Yeah, yeah. Watch out because in just a couple of weeks, we're about to have our 200th episode on the podcast. See, when Ro and I started this podcast in 2014, we didn't know how long this was going to go. We didn't know that we'll be doing this for four years and counting or that it will make it to episode 50 or episode 100 or episode 150. And now we're at episode 200 and we still have no idea what we've got planned for 200, but rest assured, we're going to try to make it as special as possible. So stick around because as the January episodes come in, we'll be building towards episode number 200. So that's something you better watch out for. And of course, we can't forget that none of this would be possible without you listening, downloading, subscribing, and doing everything you can to keep us on air and relevant everywhere in the local wrestling scene. So to you who've been listening to this podcast for as long as you have, or if you're a new listener as well, and if you've been telling your friends about us, thank you very much. Don't forget to follow our special guest, Hoho Lun, on Twitter and on Instagram. It's at HoHoLun719. You can also follow Hong Kong Wrestling Federation on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Hong Kong Wrestling. Now, as for us, we're also on social media. It's at the SGP Podcast at Roizwar at Caveman Camus and at underscore Stan C. And as always, if you've got anything to say, any feedback you want to send our way, don't be shy. Just hit us up. Or if you want to be a little bit more anonymous, try to be nice. We're on Curious Cat as well. Now, on behalf of Ro Moran, of Raf Camus, my name is Stan C. Wishing you a happy new year. Please keep those fingers intact. Remember to sit down, be humble, and happy new year, you filthy animals. Glorious! No, I won't give in, I won't give in till I'm victorious And I will defend, I will defend ACAST powers the world's best podcasts Here's a show that we recommend the Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>